What we're going to look at tonight, though, is Genesis chapter 24. And it's the longest chapter in Genesis. Right? And it is dealing with a bride for Isaac. Abraham sends his uh, servant off to find a bride for Isaac. Now, I don't know that we could say this is the cast iron way everybody's supposed to do it. It's kind of uh, not something like that. But there are some principles in it that we want to pull out of it uh, that do apply across the ages to us. All right? Now, and let me say this. Marriage is in trouble today. And not even just marriage, but actually getting married is in trouble today. It's getting harder and harder uh, for people to actually come to the place where they actually get married. Um, there was a time when it was just natural, it was just normal, it just happened, you know. But uh, some things happened back in the 50s and 60s that really messed us up. And we're beginning now to live some of the fruits of it. Uh, in the 60s, you had uh, what's called, known as the sexual revolution when it became, you know what, it was no longer something that belonged inside marriage. It was something that was free and fun and for anybody that wanted to and um, to enjoy. Uh, <clears throat> some brain had an idea uh, <clears throat> that that's the way it was. Uh, he, he sold his idea in a book. The world caught on to it. It became the reality of life for it, several generations of people now, and it has messed us up royally. It really has. You know, there was a time, you know, when that side of the relationship belonged only in marriage. For most people, listen, there's always been immorality, but that was the general norm. That was where the taboo was. It no longer is. And so what you've got is you've got a messed up society. And <clears throat> what we're finding in our society is that it's harder overall for people to get married. Talk to a, um, <clears throat> two singles in their mid-30s, just at Christmas this year, um, <clears throat> both foreign nationals living in Ireland for several years now, and a conversation I had with them was absolutely fascinating. Right? Uh, they had both been in and out of relationships uh, and <clears throat> all their lives. The, the longest relationship either of them had had been three years. That was the longest relationship. But neither of them were married, and both concerned about it. Uh, the girl who was um, from the Czech Republic, she was particularly concerned because it was just before Christmas and she was going home to her father who was going to be annoyed with her because he wants grandchildren. Right? <clears throat> and uh, he, was, he was going to be upset about it and she was particularly distraught about this whole thing uh, of, of not being married. And uh, a, a great frustration. She, she, she reckoned it was easy to find guys but it was next to impossible to find the right guy. Now, this is the world. These, these, are, these are not safe people. I did witness to them, but these, these are not safe people. They're not kind of uh, <clears throat> in the world. And somehow the conversation eventually got on to Muslims and so on. <clears throat> and she blurted out this. She said, but they have somebody to find wives for them. Who's going to find a to find husbands for them? Who's going to find a husband for me? And I'm thinking, here you got this 21st century girl who's in the middle uh, of a world that's completely different, and she's wanting somebody to find her husband. Now, <clears throat> it's a big issue today. By the way, they're still not, neither of them are, are in relationships at this point, and, and they're both really distraught about it. And so what we're seeing, we're, we're seeing that problem, that issue, that difficulty, because our, our, our world is much more messed up, our Western world, than we really imagine it is in some of these areas. It's not like it was, you know, <clears throat> 40, 50 years ago. It's completely different. And then you come to the Christian world, and it, it becomes a, a little bit more difficult because there's a smaller pool involved in it. And <clears throat> it becomes a little bit more um, <clears throat> scary for people 
uh, this whole thing and this whole area, finding a bride and finding a husband and, and uh, all of those things kind of uh, be become huge issues for us, whereas before they weren't. Part of it, part of it at least, is just this. It's a messed up world. Let me throw another sociological change into it if you want to actually um, <clears throat> catch that. Women's liberation. <clears throat> Women's liberation was all about setting women free. <clears throat> now, that's really not what happened. I don't know, if you, if you think a woman work, working in a raincoat on the side of the road with the guys is, is her being free, I don't know, that, that doesn't strike me as being particularly free. But what happened was women were going to be free, and um, <clears throat> they were going to be free to do anything a man could do and earn as much as a man could uh, earn. It hasn't happened yet. But what has happened in the shuffle is that men have been derailed as the leaders. So the very often what you find now is you find relationships and you'll talk to different people and you'll find in the relationship you'll find the guy has been treated as dumb and the woman is basically running the whole thing. She's leading the whole thing. And <clears throat> it's kind of hard to fault it because often she's more together. Often she's actually got, got her act together. She knows what she's doing and he's looking to her like a mammy. Now... <clears throat> I, I'm not going to give you examples of it. You, you'll see it around you if you actually look at it in young couples now. It's scary in our day and age. Uh, what's happened. And what's happened is, men do not know their place. They used to have a role. Daddy was a, supposed to go out and make money and bring home the bacon and put it on the table. And that was his role. And he was respected and he was honored because he was the man that did that. But now he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. So oftentimes what he's doing is he's playing computer games. He's playing his life away. And <clears throat> I read an article just this week and it said that there are now <clears throat> uh, that two-thirds of the college students nowadays are women and one-third are men. And you say, well, that's great. That means women, women have opportunities. Yeah, they have opportunities. But you know what that's creating? That's creating an inequality because what you've got is you've got college-trained women are going to find it impossible to find college-trained husbands. You say, well, that's not the most important thing. Well, you know what it kind of is, because if your intellectual level doesn't meet, there's going to be a problem. And remember, <clears throat> in God's book, on the human side of marriage, the big deal is companionship. Two people being able to get along, uh, <clears throat> be companions to each other. You know, so, so that becomes a problem. That becomes a, an issue. So we've got all these things kicking into it, and, um, <clears throat> you know... We need to be aware of the difficulties that there are out there. We really do. It's, it's difficult in our day and age. It's, not, it's just not as easy as it used to be. Now, the statistics are that 95% of people get married at some point in their lives. Unfortunately, in our day and age, oftentimes they don't last, but 95% of people get married uh, at some point in their lives. Uh, they get married. But we need to look at this, and we need to glean some principles for us. Right? Now... <clears throat> Let me throw this out. You are not the world. You have a heavenly father. You are not the world. You have a heavenly father. All of this is going to keep that in, in mind. Our God is over all of it. You have a heavenly father, and he will take care of you no matter what happens in your life. That's not dependent upon you getting married. That's not dependent upon anything like that. He will take care of you no matter what and does it very well in our lives. And the principle of relationship in everybody in this room's life is God. 
Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's where the focus of our life, our love, and our relationship is supposed to be on him. Married or single, that doesn't change. That's where the focus is. So we're going to look at this thing, and we're going to draw some, some basic principles out of it, we're going to look at it as, <clears throat> with the reality that God's in charge. God's, God rules over all of it. And then we're going to see how Abraham did it for his son, because he was concerned about this thing too. By the way, Isaac was 40 years old when he got married. Uh, it doesn't happen at the same age for everybody. There's different ages for people. You know, <clears throat> uh, we ought not let the world or what's common around us put a huge pressure on us. This is a God thing. We're looking to God to work this out. All right, then, let's, let's do this. Let's pray, and we'll begin to read. Father, would you bless us and help us as we look to your word? Now, Lord, we know these are touchy areas, Lord, for many of us. Blessed Spirit of the living God, uh, would you put your hand upon each one, Lord, and help us uh, with what we're going to read? And, Lord, may we be encouraged, may we be strengthened, Lord, and may we <clears throat> walk with you in a closer way and know your presence and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. <clears throat> And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house, Now remember, the, the, the context here is Sarah's dead. And Abraham's old, and he's blessed, he's got everything, he's got the son. Uh, we looked at the fact that he sacrificed, was willing to sacrifice the son, but, but he's got the son. And now he's got a problem. And, and here's how he's going to solve the problem. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. Now, this is reckoned to be Eliezer. Eliezer is his eldest servant. Eliezer is the guy uh, who basically runs his household under him. And it uh, doesn't give us his name, but we reckon that this is Eliezer, right? <clears throat> and uh, uh, when he says, put thy hand under my thigh, what he's going to do is he's going to ask him to make a very solemn oath. Right. He's going to ask him to do something uh, that's recognized in that day as being a solemn oath. He's going to ask him to make a covenant with him, to do something. Very important covenant as far as Abraham is concerned. And he says, <clears throat> And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt take, not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites amongst whom I dwell. Now, interestingly enough, Abraham's first requirement in a wife for Isaac is a negative. Right? It's a negative. And in all honesty, there's really only two requirements. Right? He's, gonna, he's not to be of the Canaanites, he needs to be of my family. Now, obviously, there's a whole lot more involved in a marriage relationship that's not spoken in this chapter, that's not dealt with. You know, it would be helpful for us if Abraham was to give us a list of the things that you're supposed to look for in a wife. Uh, for your son. But he doesn't. He gives us one requirement. I do not want you to take uh, uh, to, to, to my son a wife of the Canaanites. Now why? Why not of the Canaanites? Well, <clears throat> the Canaanites are a very wicked, idolatrous people. They are cursed of God under the judgment of God and they're, <clears throat> you know, they're facing extermination is really what they're, what they're facing. And uh, <clears throat> Abraham has lived amongst them for this time and he knows how wicked they are. And the one thing he does not is he does not want Isaac having uh, an ungodly wife. Now, <clears throat> you say, okay, that, 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 that's interesting, but how does that apply to us? Well, well God gives us a similar rule for us to bear. Look, <clears throat> look with me at 1 Corinthians 7.39. By the way, 1 Corinthians 7 is a mine uh, <clears throat> of wisdom on uh, marriage and the marriage relationship. 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 39. 
The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. Right? Now, drive what, what he's looking at here is the marriage relationship, and he's talking about the marriage relationship as a binding relationship. Uh, but then he, 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 he says this. He says, she's bound by the relationship as long as her husband liveth, but when the husband is dead, she's free. Okay, so she can remarry. But he puts in a stipulation in it. He says, only in the Lord. Now, look at Second Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 14. And this is a broader principle than, than, than in this area, right? <clears throat> than, than marriage. But it, the principle applies to marriage as well. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Now, let, let me <clears throat> give you, <clears throat> have you look at it from um, <clears throat> Isaac's perspective. Do you think there were pretty Canaanite women around? Do you think there were pretty Canaanite women that, did, that maybe thought, you know what, Isaac's a good catch. The guy's good looking. He's got money. I'm telling you, he'd be a good catch. You know, we're going to find Isaac's son, Esau, is going to enter into several marriages with Canaanite women. And I think he probably could, be, uh, could have invented the term wreck everybody's heads around him because that's what he did uh, with the marriages that he got involved in. Uh, he really caused trouble with it. So yes, that was definitely possible. In fact, that's one of the things that Abraham is very concerned about. Now, think of this about Isaac. Isaac is in a place where, you know what, there is no suitable partner for him. There's nobody around that's suitable for him. Everybody around him is wicked and idolatrous. There's no possibility of him finding a suitable partner. Now, what often happens, what, what Esau did was, Esau just lowered the standard and said, well, there's nobody else around, I'm just going to marry who's around. Very often, that's what happens uh, in our society too. Now, here's what we have to understand. We have to understand that we can't blur the edges here. You know, there are two kinds of people in the world that we live in, as far as God is concerned. And the difference is huge with God. One people are his children, they're born again. And one people are the children of his enemy, they're lost. Now, it's very easy for us in the day, day and age that we live in to kind of blur the lines on that. Because you know what? There are nice lost people. And there are nasty saved people. There are lost people that you like more than uh, some of the saved people you know around. But that's not the issue. The issue is that you're two different households completely. And God says you can't get involved in a relationship like that. Just in the same way as Isaac was not to marry amongst the Canaanites, there's no way for you to get involved in a relationship like that. Now, what sometimes happens is, that what you'll see is people get kind of desperate in their lives. The years go by, the biological clock is ticking, ticking. I need to get married. There's nobody suitable. Look at these Canaanite people. They're nice. They're fine. I'll I'll just marry one of them. She's cute. He's cute. I'll just marry one of them. 
That, that's a disaster. See what God is saying here? Don't be unequally yoked. <clears throat> together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Here's the thing you're looking at. You're looking at companionship. Right? You're looking at coming to the place where there's companionship between two people. Now, can the devil's children have companionship? They can. Can the Lord's children have companionship? Can the devil's children and the Lord's children ultimately have companionship together? No. You're defeating the whole purpose of the thing before you start. Uh, for what concord, what agreement hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? He said, Pastor, they're very harsh words. They are, and Paul is using them, you know, <clears throat> very carefully. He's saying this is a no-no. This can't happen. Uh, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Or for ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now, <clears throat> let me go back in another social uh, <clears throat> facet for us to look at here. <clears throat> Alongside of this change in the way things were done, uh, in, you know, <clears throat> as far as morality was concerned, where basically what happened was morality was dropped, and everybody was free to do whatever they liked as long as they didn't hurt anybody else. Alongside of that, what developed was a dating culture. Right? And, um, you know, you say, well, there's always been a dating culture. And there, and there probably had always been a dating culture. But you know what? When you take morality out of the picture, dating goes on steroids. Dating is much more than dating. Dating is much more than meeting somebody just for a friendly chat. Dating becomes, you know charged with all kinds of issues and difficulties and problems for people. And so what you have in our culture is you have dating that really it's not just dating. It's marriage without the ceremony. And people come together and the term the world would use would be hook up and they come together and they effectively enter into a physical relationship, a marriage relationship, and then after a while they split from that relationship and they break from it. And it's just as common to our culture now. And the problem with dating for us is that <clears throat> once you start dating and once you get involved in a relationship of a physical nature, it's very hard to keep your head straight. The reason is because God has wired us in a particular way that the physical relationship sets off chemicals in us. They call it oxytocin. They call it the, the bonding chemical. That it sets off <clears throat> a, a bond so that we actually bond with people we're physical with, and we feel like we love them. It's intended to do that. Because it's intended inside marriage for you to bond with somebody and feel like you're uh, <clears throat> very close to them. That, that's something God puts in the marriage. But when you do it with somebody outside of the marriage, and you end up splitting it and breaking it up, what you're doing is you're doing yourself a great damage. The Bible says that everyone, <clears throat> every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he who committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. It's a different kind of sin. You actually do yourself in. Now, here's what I'm saying to you. <clears throat> the Bible says that you're clearly not supposed to get, you're, you're, you're not supposed to marry somebody who's unsaved. So what that means is, every unsaved girl out there is on, off limits. Totally off limits. You just can't be, be with her. You just can't be around her because you can't trust your heart. I can't trust my heart. You can't trust your heart. Your heart will draw you into a relationship that will just do you great damage. 
So the idea is not that dating is wrong, but dating in the context of modern society is really dangerous. You see, you know, when you get involved with somebody and your heart begins to go, you're not in the place where you can make a rational decision anymore. You've come to the place now where you know, you're kind of caught. You're kind of, and what you're doing is then you're justifying the relationship, making the relationship work out. And if you want to avoid getting married to somebody who's unsaved, just reckon that unsaved people are just not to be there. You can't be involved. You can't be in a relationship with them. You can't flirt with them. You can't get drawn to them because if you do, you're going to be in trouble. Now, you know, as far as other relationships go, relationships with believers go, you really need to know the Lord is in it because it's a pretty long-term commitment. You know, um, Lisa's going to get married soon, and Lisa is in her early 20s. She could be married for 60 years quite easily. That's a long time. She'll be an old woman on a walking stick and still married to Paul. That's hard to imagine now. It's hard for her to imagine, very hard for him to imagine. You know, <clears throat> you know, but, but that's the reality. Now listen, in a long-term relationship like this, you don't want to get married for the feeling of the moment. Because the feeling of the moment, I guarantee you, will change. It always does. The feeling of the moment changes. The feeling of the feelings grow, progress, uh, move. They change. People change. People grow, change, progress, move. They're, they're different as the years go by. You know, we're talking about it recently. You know, Val and I are different people than the people who got married 32 years ago. We're different people. You say, how is that? Well, we'd love, we've just grown and changed, and so much has changed in our lives. I feel like we've lived three or four lifetimes in between time. You know, we're different people. Than those people that uh, that begun all those years ago. And here's the thing: when it comes to getting married, you don't want to stake it on the feelings of the moment. But that's the common deal in our time. Now, listen. I am not against dating completely. It's absolutely wrong. I am not. But it's to be treated very carefully. And it's to be <clears throat> you got to take out of it. The, the, the whole issue where uh, the physical side of the relationship draws you into a relationship. Because if you don't do that, what you're going to find is, you're going to find that your heart leads you on a merry dance. And you'll do what the world is doing today. You'll be in and out of relationships and in and out of relationships uh, until you're sick and weary of it. You know, that, that girl I was talking to you about at the beginning, uh, the girl from the Czech Republic, you know, one of her big problems is she's just weary. She's sick and tired of guys. She can't imagine having a guy that, that, that would uh, be a solid relationship that's going to work for her. That's what happens. Our, our society is weary of what they consider to be marriage, but they've never really tried marriage very often. Now you say, okay, well, Pastor, it's a bit late for me. You know, listen, I've been around for a long time, and I'm telling you what, everything that's possible to do wrong, I've done wrong. <clears throat> yeah, well, well, that may be true, but you're saved now. You're his child now. Today's a new day. And you can change, and you can make it, <clears throat> you can make it better, and you can make it clear. And, and, and here's the thing. It's not that, you know, everybody's going to go the courtship route. I don't expect everybody to go the courtship route. That's just not going to happen. People are going to meet up in all kinds of different ways. But if you've got any sense... You're going to stay pure in that relationship. 
until you marry. You're not going to even let your heart go until you know this is the right relationship. And when it comes to being the right relationship, you're going to get advice and counsel about it. You're not going to trust your own heart. I mean, Hollywood has spun a yarn. <laughs> Isn't it fascinating? Right? <clears throat> all, 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 all the films, people fall help. They find the right person, and they fall helplessly in love. And it's just wonderful. It's fantastic, isn't it? Now, that, that's, that, that's, that, that, that's wonderful, isn't it? But, but where do marriages break up as quickly as they do in Hollywood? If you find somebody in, in Hollywood who's together 10 years, everybody's amazed. But they're the people that are peddling the idea that <clears throat> what you can do is you can just fall helplessly in love and stay, stay, stay married forever. It doesn't happen like that. What happens is somebody with their head screwed on actually thinks it through and makes a commitment. Do you know the most important part of marriage? The most important part of marriage is a covenant. See, <clears throat> See this little thing? It's a ring. When you put a ring on somebody's finger, what you're saying is, I am committing myself to you for the rest of my life. Now, you can't make a commitment based on feelings alone. Because your commitment's going to last way beyond the feelings. Your commitment's going to last way beyond the way things look. Your commitment's going to last, your commitment, your covenant is something that's going to go much deeper on it. So you know what you need to do? You need to make it prayerfully. God, is this right for me? You need to have counsel involved in it. Do other people see flaws and problems with this thing that I don't see? You, you need to do that. This is too big a decision for you to do. So, and you're never going to even get to that place if you're allowing <clears throat> the idea of an unequal yoke into your head. That's just not going to happen. You can't marry an unsaved person. It's not going to work for you. That's not going to work for you. It's just something that's a no-no that the Bible says no. Abraham is saying to his servant, I want you to go, find me a bride for him, not one of these Canaanite women. I, I, I do not want you to let him have one of these. Swear to me that you won't let him marry one of these Canaanite women. You see, <clears throat> Abraham knew the Canaanite women and he knew the purpose of God in Isaac. The purpose of God in Isaac was to Make a nation. That, that's God's plan. Malachi chapter 2. God's purpose is to, to create a godly seed. To make a godly seed. Do you know that God's got a purpose for your marriage? You may not be married yet. You may be far from it. But God's got a purpose for your marriage. And <clears throat> your purpose is companionship. And you say, that's fine. But I have a purpose too. I want a godly seed. That's, that's God's payoff in the whole thing. He wants a godly seed. And, <clears throat> and um, we need to understand that, that God's got a, got, got a part to play in this thing. See, if I'm a believer, I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. And I'm supposed to glorify Him. So we've got to be careful in this area, this, this first area that our age is, 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 is dumbing down for us and is making quiet for us. It's saying, you know what, listen, hey, you know what? That's kind of hard in this day and age. You, don't, <clears throat> you need to get married. Just marry somebody who's unsaved. They'll get saved. That's not the way it works. You don't even look at somebody who's unsaved. Don't let your heart go to somebody who's unsaved. You keep your heart clean and clear because if you don't, what you're doing is you're storing up trouble for yourself. And lots of people could give us testimony of how much trouble that is.
So, so don't do it. You know, I think it's great somebody invented the wheel. Because I don't have to reinvent it. And you know what? Some of the mistakes other people made, you don't have to make them again. You don't have to do those dumb things. Now what happens? <clears throat> we get desperate. And we begin to push it. And we begin to drop what we think is right. And we're just going to do whatever comes along. And don't do that. 